The Power of the Other by Dr. Henry Cloud. One sentence summary. The power of the other shows you the surprisingly big influence other people have on your life, what different kinds of relationships you have with them, and how you can cultivate more good ones to replace the bad, fake, or unconnected, and live a more fulfilled life. My favorite quote from the author is, You can't master people, but you can become a master at choosing and dealing with people. Dr. Henry Cloud How often do you think about the entirety of your relationships with other people? I mean, do you regularly take a step back, go through your phone, and think about each contact, trying to establish whether their number still deserves its place in your pocket? Not only do all these contacts create mental baggage, depending on how often you engage with them, they shape the course of your life for the better or for worse. For example, just yesterday I deleted 20 or so numbers from my phone, bringing my contacts down to 73. It felt really good to let go of people I know I'll never call anyway. Managing the relationships in your life is exactly what this book is about. It shows you how much influence others wield over your actions and helps you make sure it's directed well. Here are three lessons from the power of the other. 1. Avoid corner 1 to 3 connections, which are bad, fake or no real connections at all. 2. The only relationships that really matter are the ones in which you can truly be yourself. 3. Your best relationships will give you the feedback you need to solve your own problems. Ready to ramp up your relationships and rally this year? Let's learn from Dr. Henry Cloud how you can foster connections that help you grow. The Power of the Other Lesson 1. Ditch all connections that are bad for you, fake or non-existent. This answers the question, what are three types of relationships that are bad for us? According to Dr. Cloud, every single relationship you have in your life falls into one of four categories, which he calls connection corners. There are corner one relationships, corner two relationships, and so on. The higher their degree, the better, but in fact, only one type of connection really matters. The other three you're best off avoiding entirely. Here they are. 1. Corner one relationships. This basically isn't a connection at all. For example, if you're a manager completely out of sync with your team and you act almost independently, that's a corner one relationship. The same holds true if you feel your spouse doesn't listen to or support you at all. 2. Corner 2 relationships These relationships are actively bad for you. The classic scenario is when you settle for a partner who's obviously a terrible fit, because for example, they always put you down and you feel worse after hanging out with them. And three, corner three relationships. You can call these fake relationships. It's this kind of relationship that's the hardest to avoid because it feels good in the short run, but is toxic in the long term. An affair or a drinking buddy would be a good example. These kinds of connections all suck and that's important to know. But what kind of relationships do you need then? The power of the other, lesson two. Cultivate only those relationships in which you can truly be yourself. This answers the question, what is the only friendship, relationship, love relationship in my life that is actually worth pursuing? Everyone has at least one or two of those people in their life that they, can, that they feel they can be completely honest and open with. Who do you feel comfortable enough around to be 100% you? These are the kinds of connections Dr. Cloud calls corner for relationships, and they're the only ones that matter. We all put on masks on almost a daily basis. We wear a fake self for the outside world to seem more confident, stronger or smarter than we actually are. 
With our corner 4, our real connections, we don't have to do that. No more pretending. In these relationships, you will feel safe to express everything you think and feel at any time. Because you know you won't be judged, it gets much easier to openly admit weaknesses and start working on them with some help. Which is why corner 4 relationships are the only ones that help you grow and live a better life. Take some time to think about which corner 4 relationships you already have in your life. Thank those people, make an effort to keep them around, and then forget about all the others. The power of the other, lesson 3. Your best relationships in life won't solve your problems for you, but will give you the feedback you need to tackle them on your own. This answers the question, what does a good corner for relationship look like? How exactly do corner for relationships make you better? Well, because you can openly share your weaknesses with those people, they're the perfect way to get the feedback you need to move to the next level. However, that doesn't mean that your best friends or your spouse will solve your problems for you. The two words that best describe a corner for relationship are freedom and responsibility. Your connection will give you the freedom to be who you are, do your own thing and never judge your actions. But that also comes with the responsibility to take matters into your own hands and solve your own problems. For example, a great mentor will always give you valuable feedback on your book's manuscript, but she'll never edit it for you. What makes such relationships the best is that you'll get specific, actionable feedback, the kind that enables you to take care of your own obstacles yourself, instead of just helping you once. Here's what I learned from The Power of the Other by Dr. Henry Cloud. I, about, I want to say twice a year, I go through my contact lists, various contact lists, right, um, in my phone, in usually in my phone because those contacts sync everywhere. Um, and, and recently, for example, also just my list of WhatsApp chats, right, because with WhatsApp you have a different chat window with every person. And you can archive and delete those. So you can actually remove them. Most people don't. They just keep them. And then you could scroll until like you're like three years back. And you can see what you talk to the person, uh, what you said to that person at that time. But if you archive them, you still have those chats available, just not inside in your usual chat roster. And I've, I've started archiving these chats recently because I found, actually, you know what? That's that puts an end to the conversation, right? So it doesn't have to be that um, that I hate this person now, but just to even with people I know I'm going to talk to, but it might take two, three months, I archive the chat and it just makes my chat overview much less cluttered and it makes me feel a lot better about basically which mental communications I have going on with different people at different times. Because, you know, if you scroll through your list and you see, ah, yeah, right, I messaged her three weeks ago and then nothing happened. Um, and then you think, oh, um, oh, sh shoot, I should probably message her sometime. And then it's on your mind all week. So if you just archive the chats and just leave open the, say, top 10 or so that, that were the most recent ones, that's super helpful. So that's just a quick um, connection tip there. What I wanted to say is that once or twice a year, I go through my contact list and I just delete people. And usually because at, at that point, I've come to grips with the fact that, you know what, I'm not going to contact them, right? Yeah, I it's not that it's not that necessarily that I don't want anything to do with these people. It's just they happen to fade out of your life. It just happens. And if you come to grips with that, uh that makes it much easier to let it go. And also, it doesn't mean that if you run into them again that you'll have a bad experience, right? So uh, 
actually this is a great test for what relationships are actually corner for relationships. So there are very few people I graduated with about 60, 70 other people from high school. And there are very, very few people that I just, there are lots of people I message once or twice a year. Uh, and, and almost all the time it's me messaging them, not them messaging me. But if I do it, the question is, how do they respond? Do they respond, right? Do they just exchange flatteries or do they actually talk to me for, even if it's just five minutes and we talk about, you know, meaningful things. And th that's a good way to gauge them because I know if I'm going to meet this person, I could get coffee with them like once a year or in five years time and never see them in between. And it will be like the last time we we ran around the schoolyard. And that's kind of cool. And that's kind of the only people I want in my life. I just realize this. I, I have this realization every time uh, over and over again. But I, I realized, man, why bother with the others, right? Why why do I need to chase someone? Why do I need to chase uh, a guy who doesn't contact me because who contacts me just as little as I contact him, right? And if I don't keep up the effort to meet him once a year and he doesn't put in the same effort, why should I chase that guy only to, you know, say in 10 years, oh yeah, we're still getting along. I don't care. If I meet him, fine, and it's good, it's good, and if not, then it's not. So uh, corner one, corner two, corner three, forget all that crap. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's for me, maybe because I'm an introvert and I used to be a people pleaser or still trying to get better at that, not make everyone happy all the time. For me, it had to be like radical, like, like, fuck those people. I'm not going to do that. Right. I need people in my life that make my life better. And if and there's oh man, there's so many examples of people where it just fades out. Right. If I don't put in the effort, it fades out. And I know you have the same problem. There's people if you don't put in the effort to talk to them regularly, they won't. And honestly, that's just a huge black hole of your energy. It's all down the drain. You know, that's, you know, deep down, that's true. And it's sad, because they're good people. And it works, but they never come to you. Uh, they don't put in the effort. And by the way, this not coming to you isn't a problem, right? Because remember, good relationships are about freedom and responsibility. That wouldn't even be the problem. The problem is that six months later, they're going to say, Oh, I haven't heard from you in forever. Like you're an asshole. That's the problem, right? Because I have no problem with not talking to someone for six months or two years and then meeting them and saying, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Because that's the whole freedom part, the whole responsibility part. Take care of your own shit and don't just get come to people when you have something to talk about or troubles or problems or something, you know, friendship building, I want to say. Don't just come to them then. Like, give people the freedom they need. Let them do whatever they want and, like, I mean, there's married couples that never see each, see each other, not see each other for 10 years, right? And that's still okay, right? So there's all kinds of good examples out there, but there's so few of them that we just, you know, ignore them and we settle and we think, um, guess it'll have to be this way. I'm going to be the one contacting everyone again. Hey, I'm going to set up the party. It doesn't have to be that way, right? If an interaction with a person, think about this with everyone you, you meet or the last connection you had. Did this make you feel good? When was the last time you felt good talking to that person? And if it's way too long ago and, and you know, like, man, the relationship is not contributing to my life positively, then just fuck it. Let it go. Leave it. Um, just as I will, by the way, leave it. It's been a long rant. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Hope you learned something. And I will talk to you on the next summary.